good morning. I'm so glad that you joined us today. And it's kind of neat to be able to close out this series because uh, to me this speaks about who Jesus is, what he did for us. And so really what I want to do today is kind of recap some of the things we've talked about in some ways, but also why it's important to share our faith. Why, why should we talk about it? Why should we let people know about what has happened? Why, you know, why we celebrated last week as Easter and now telling people about this and, and being excited about it. So really what I want to start with is the, the question of Jesus our Savior. Is, is he your Savior? And I think he is. And I'm going to make a case for that today. And I'm sure that's something that most of us already know, that he's our Savior. But here's what I want to say, uh, share with you first, is the definition. What is the definition of a Savior? And it says, a person who saves someone or something, especially a country or a cause, from danger. Now let's think about that something as an aspect of Jesus. He's a person or something that saved us from a certain danger. And what danger were we in? And I think it's important for us to really get excited about sharing the gospel and sharing about what Jesus did is to make sure that we understand the condition that we were in, that we were in a bad state, that we needed a savior. We needed somebody to come rescue us. And so today we're going to look at some scriptures in Romans. We're going to look at some scriptures in Hebrews. And I like to think about these two books of the Bible. One, he, uh, Romans talks about the law and the Old Testament law. And how does that fit in with Jesus? And the fact that the law, Paul makes a case that the law was not sufficient, that it was not enough to make us right, to, to write with God. So what he does is he makes a case for that. And then also the book of Hebrews helps us to see how Jesus is that peace that fits into that, that he became that portion for us or that high priest. or how the, He was the one that was the interceder for us. He interceded for us. So let's look at this first. Let's look at our condition. This is the first thing that I want to talk about, look at today, is our condition. What state were we in before we met Jesus? And I think it's important for us to understand that. I think it's important for us to be reminded that we are sinful people. And I think that's very important to look at. So the first thing let's look at, and this is like the kids' version of this. This is the Ten Commandments. This is like the kids' version of this. Just to kind of break it down, maybe hopefully today we see it in a different light. But the first commandment, have no other gods but God. That's a commandment that we need to follow. Do not worship statues, idols, these things that we have and we put in front of God. These things that we can create and are man-made that we put ahead of God. And then be careful with God's name. That God's name is special. It should be reverenced. It should be honored. It should be glorified. And then keep the Sabbath day special. That there's a day that we should honor God. There's a day of rest. We see that God commanded that. Uh, number five, honor your father and mother. I mean, that is something that God wants us to do. Is honor the people that, that were raised us, that cared for us, that took care of us. And do not murder. Number six, uh, keep, you know, may, that's kind of self-explanatory. Do not murder, right? Uh, number seven, keep your marriage promises. Keep your vows that you made before God and before others to the spouse that you have, that you honor your marriage. Do not steal and do not lie and do not covet. I mean, coveting is one of those things where we look at something and we're like, oh, man, I wish I had that. Why do they have it? I don't. I want that thing. Uh, I, want, I want God to give me that. All these things, and as I look at this, and if we're all honest, okay, let's just be honest today. I have failed probably every single one of these 
in some time in my life, I've done these things. And if I'm honest, I've probably done these things just the beginning of 2020, right? There's been things that I have not quite been honest with and said that I've done these things. I've broken one of these commands. And as we get into it, this is what Paul's assertion is, is that this law was given for us to recognize the fact that we're all sinners, that I don't measure up. I, I've, I've done things that have hurt people. I've done things that have hurt God. And as I always like to talk about it and say, the first four commands deal with God. But then the last six, six commandments deal with how we treat each other, how we treat our neighbor, how we, how we care for others. You know, you look at all those and you think about how we have all done things that have hurt people. And most importantly, have hurt God. So we've broken almost every one of those. And so we look at, let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? And I want to stop right there for a second. Because what it's talking about here is that Paul is making a case that you as a Jew, you know, you've had the law for all these years, for hundreds of years, for thousands of years. And yet you keep breaking these commands. And so we don't have an advantage as a Jewish person. We don't have an advantage. I can't say that I'm closer to God because God gave us the Ten Commandments and we have Moses and we have our fathers that have served God. That, he's saying that that's not an advantage. That, that doesn't give you a reason or an excuse or to say, I'm better than somebody else. We don't have any advantage. When we look at the law and we look at the Ten Commandments, we've all messed up. We've all done something that was dishonoring to God. We've all broken God's heart by the callous of our heart. We've been in a position where we thought we could just do whatever we want. And that's the real problem. The real problem is that we have this thought that we can do something that we shouldn't. And that's what the Jewish people were facing. And then so Paul is saying, we have no advantage in this. We are on the same level playing field as anybody else in the world. And what that was, was, word was used was Gentile. We're just like all the other Gentiles. We're just like everybody else. We don't have an advantage here. It says, for we already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under this power of sin. As it is written, and I want to stop here for a second because we're going to start going down this litany of things. But these are verses that have been taken throughout the Bible, and Paul puts them together through Psalms and through other, Isaiah's one. But here I just want to read this. These are statements that we should take in and say, you know what, Paul's right. I, I'm not this great person that sometimes I think I am. And I'm not trying to bring us down, but I want us to understand we needed a Savior. We needed God to rescue us. And I can't be good enough on my own. I just can't. But God stepped in, right? So here we go. It says, there is none one righteous, not even one. There's none righteous. There's not even one person except Jesus who is a righteous person. None of us can say and look at that list of the Ten Commandments and say, boy, I'm, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. There, there is one of those things we've all had an issue with. Most of us have an issue with all of them. But here it is. We're, none of us are innocent in this. Number 11, or verse 11. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Wow, I like that statement. Their throats are open graves. What does that mean? 
it means that it's almost like we constantly are open to the idea that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna die and I'm just I'm okay with letting this sin in my life that destroys. I'm okay with just continually doing things that are wrong. And I, I'm okay with that. So our, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear, and this is an important statement I think that everybody deals with, right? There is no fear of God before their eyes. What a sad place we can be in sometimes that we don't respect God, we don't value God. I know I was in that place before I met Jesus. And so it goes on to say in verse 19 in Romans chapter 3, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silent, and the whole world, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, not just certain parts, the whole world, it says, held accountable to God. Therefore, no one uh, will be able to declare righteousness in God's sight by works of the law, rather through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So what is the law's purpose? What was the main purpose of God giving the law to Moses and passing on his people? Yes, it was to say, hey, this is the way I want you to act. This is the way I want you to be. But it was also to help us to see, I, this is areas where I mess up. This is areas where I do wrong. This is areas where I have, have led astray, went astray. I've done these things. And it makes us conscious. It makes us evaluate that I'm a sinful person. We have to have a standard, and God presented the standard by the Ten Commandments to say, how do you measure up? Now, it's not going to save you in itself. It's not going to be the thing that, that we can go to. And this is what Paul is trying to say. This is not the thing that you can rely on as being the thing that, okay, I've checked this one off. I've checked this one off. I've checked this one off. I'm a good person. No. What it is, is to recognize there's something wrong with us. There is a need that we have. We are in danger, and we are dealing with a sin in our life that needs to be taken care of. And so that's what we find here, is it makes us conscious of our sin. So what's God's response to this? He knows we're in a state. He knows we're in a position that we can't help ourselves. So what does he do about it? And it makes me think of this illustration that we see that Jesus talks about in this parable in Luke chapter 20. And so as we look at this, I want you to think about God's response through this uh, story or this parable that Jesus shares. And it says, he went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to uh, some farmers, and went away for a long time. At the harvest time, he said a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one was also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He still sent a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But then the tenants saw him, and then they talked the matter over, and this is the heir, they said. Let us kill him, and then the inheritance will be our very own. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. One of the things I think about that story that speaks to me so much 
is the fact that Jesus is that son in the story, of course, but that God has tried repeatedly, repeatedly sending servants, sending prophets, sending people to say, hey, wait a second, this is not the way to be. You're going down the wrong path. You're worshiping idols. You're worshiping these other gods. You're doing these things that are wrong. And then you need to change your ways. And after prophet, after prophet, after prophet, when you think about John the Baptist, when you think about all the other prophets, how they were treated, how they were mistreated, how they were rejected, how they were, you know, had to flee for their lives. That God's response to our sin has been a constant, I'm going to rescue. I want to provide for you. I'm sending you a leader to help you. And rejection, 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 rejection. This is especially important to the Jews because when Jesus was sharing this story, he was saying, I'm here to present this truth and this gospel. I am God's son, and you're going to kill me. You're going to reject me. You're not going to have anything to do with me. And that's what God has done. He's, he's approached us in such a way to tell us over and over and over, and that's what I love about this story, is he's continually showing us, I've tried. I've been trying to get your attention that you need help. I've been trying to rescue you. And Jesus, of course, even though our response at the time was not in a response of openness to him, he still went and did the unthinkable, laying down his life for all humanity, the whole world, he laid down his life to save us. So in Romans chapter 3, we go back to Romans chapter 3, we see this, the good news of this. 23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Again, we're not going to be able to measure up. We're not going to be able to, to do it on our own. And it says in verse 24, and all are justified freely uh, by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So this is, this is really good stuff because if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we can have redemption. We can't do it on our own because wages of sin are death. But we needed a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. As we continue on, it says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice, sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And so our, it's our putting our trust in Jesus that saves us. It's, it's calling upon him and calling him Lord is what saves us. Celebrating what he did, that he died on Friday, that we celebrated last week, and, and also celebrating the fact that he rose again that we, we celebrate and we know that he's our savior. He said he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forebounds he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So what is this saying this towards the end? It's saying Jesus and God are gonna be righteous. They're gonna make the, the right call in other words, they're not going to just go th- do things halfway. And this also speaks to me a lot of things about how our nature is as humankind, as a human being. Isn't it interesting that no matter where you are in the spectrum of this world or this life, there is a concept of fairness. There's a concept of judgment. There's a concept of this is fair and that's not fair. Where do we get that from? Where do we get this sense of fairness from? It's because God created us to have a knowing and a knowledge inside our hearts. We may be sometimes misguided and sometimes misled, but there is at a core of us a wanting, a desire to be just. 
And that comes from God. And the reason why is because God is just. And so he can't just leave sin unpunished. He couldn't just leave it in a state where he would just leave it is as is and just let us be. He wanted to redeem us. And he knew we couldn't do it ourselves. So he allowed Jesus to be the one to pay for all of our sin. That we could lay down our lives in accepting him and saying, Lord, I want to be yours. I want to be yours. And then Jesus laid down his life for us before we even did that. Before we'd even say, I want to call you Lord. He said, I'm going to lay down my life because I love you. And so because of what Jesus did, because he shed his blood, because he made the perfect sacrifice, we can stand freely in front of God and say, I'm clean. I'm clean. I've been washed away from all my sin because of what Jesus did. I'm justified because of what Jesus did. Hebrews chapter 1, it says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him all things have been made in the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So this Jesus that laid down his life, rose again, is this perfect purification that we can receive. And what does it say? Because he did this, he's at the right hand of God. And so we can have this hope and we can have this knowledge that Jesus did become our savior. He is the one that rescued us. He is the one that provided this way for us. He is the one that said, hold on, I'll step out and I'll come and I'm willing to rescue these people. I care for them and I'm willing to lay down my life for them. And so he came with the perfect sacrifice for us that were condemned, that were doomed. And he said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to be a savior. I'm going to rescue them from where they are. And that's why he is our hero. He's our hero because of all the things he did. The whole message series, all of his powers, all of his abilities, all the things that he did upon the earth, all the things that he accomplished, all the, the working against Satan and his power that Mark talked about, the adversary, all these things that, that Jesus became our hero through all of that. Now I want to encourage you today to know that, that Jesus can be your hero. In a personal way, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus wants to come in and rescue you from where you are. He wants to be your Savior. I think that most of us know. Most of us look at ourselves and we look, and we don't even have to look at the Ten Commandments to recognize the fact that there's something wrong inside of us. That we recognize that there's something missing inside of us. And I want to share with you today that there's hope because of the hero that we've talked about these past few weeks. But I also want to just reiterate some of these things. So as Romans chapter 8, it says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation. Let's repeat that because it's so good to hear, right? It's so good to hear from the fact that I'm a sinner, I'm somebody that needs rescued, and I'm not perfect to hear this. Jesus saying this. If I put my faith in him, it says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have this knowledge, and it's not because of anything I've done, because I am not a perfect person. I have this knowledge that when I stand before God, that I'm not going to be condemned. Even though I, I have things in my closet that I don't want to come out or things that could be said about me that I don't want people to know, I would be embarrassed by. 
I wouldn't want on Facebook. But the knowledge of knowing that I have a Savior in Jesus. And so when I stand before God, you know what happens is that God sees his son in front of me. And Jesus is the one that's saying, I died for him. He's okay. He's put his trust in me. There is no condemnation. I want you to know that. And Paul wants us to know that. Jesus wants to know that. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, this is the good news. This is the exciting part, right? The law condemned us, really. The law didn't help us because even though it was there and I tried to do my best, I recognized my failure. I recognized my sin. It made me conscious of what I was doing wrong. And so it's great to know what the powerless of the law, the law wasn't able to give me power, but the power was in Jesus. And it says this, for the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. It was weakened by me. It was weakened by you. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law would be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What is this saying? It's saying the fact that there's more to me, for one, than just my physical body. There's a spiritual side to me that will live forever and ever. This body will be gone. Um, everything else about me may be gone. But there's a part of me that's a spirit that's going to live forever. And because of that, I can live in that spirit knowing that I'm going to be living with him forever and ever because of what Jesus did for me, that he died for me. And that he loved me. And that the law couldn't do that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Then he said, this is what I, this, this touches my heart. Jesus is going to be speaking here. He says, then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will, to honor God. He set aside the first to establish the second. So what is he saying here? What is he talking about? Establish the, the first uh, or the second, you know, set aside the first to establish the second. What he's talking about here is this first covenant was the Ten Commandments. This was, was kind of showing your, your, exposing your sin. Now I'm setting a new path. I'm setting a path where you can put your trust in me and you can have a fellowship with me and a relationship with me and I redeem you from, from all the things that the first kind of pointed at. In verse 10, it says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. In other words, this doesn't have to happen again. This doesn't have to recur like the sacrifices would. And this is what we get into in verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his right religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away the sin. Can never take away the sin. But when this priest, talking about Jesus, Jesus being the priest, had offered for all time one sacrifice of for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So sharing this good news. So as I close today, and I just want to encourage you today, I want you to understand and know that there's a reason to share this. There's a reason to talk about it. Because we were in danger. We were we were going to be in destruction. Our state, our condition was terrible. But God's response was, I'm not going to leave mankind like that. I don't want mankind to suffer. And you know what he did? He kept sending people. 
It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for all, all the world. But he would use prophets. He would use people to speak. And, he, you know, think about all the prophets he spent now. I think about Billy Graham. I think about others who have spoken about Jesus and teached or taught people about the Lord throughout the centuries. God continues to send his people to speak about him, to share this good news. And I want to challenge you, your family, your, the people around you, that there's good things to share about. Like I've laid out this case today, we should share the fact of where we were. We should share about the, the response that God has, has brought to us of his son, Jesus. And I want to share a few scriptures before we close. In Hebrews chapter 13, chapter 13, verse 15, it says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifice, God is pleased. So we need to continue to share about what God has done. We need to continue to profess his name. We need to continue to give thanks for what he's done for us. We need to praise him for the fact he's done these things and let other people know what he's done. I love this analogy that I think about. It's like one beggar sharing with another beggar where, where food is. It's like I found, this, I found this thing that's made a difference in my life, and I want you to know about it. Last scripture I want to share with you today is this, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. All of us probably know this, but I want to remind you today, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. So let us not be ashamed of this gospel. You know, I could just imagine like if any of the superheroes that we kind of see on movies like Marvel or DC or, you know, I could just imagine like if Superman came and saved the day somehow, we'd tell everybody in the world about it. We'd share about it. We'd, we'd, let it, we'd post it on social media and talk about how we saw Superman and this is his cape and this is him flying in the air. But do you realize what we've seen in Jesus? Do we take into consideration what Jesus really did for us? I think sometimes it's easy to forget. I want you to go back to that place, if you've been a Christian for a while, go back to that place where you accepted Christ for the first time. He made a difference in you. And I also want you to think about the fact that, that he, he, he loves you and he cares for you. And isn't that worth sharing? Isn't that worth not being ashamed of? Isn't that worth getting it out? And my final thought is this. If you've never shared with your kids about how you accepted Christ, I want to encourage you to share that with your family, you know, or, or post it on social media somehow, or call somebody on the phone, or do a Zoom meeting and say, hey, I just want to gather you guys around because I wanted to talk to you about how Jesus made a difference in my life. You don't have to come up with the fancy words or anything like that. I did a message a while back about how to share your faith, and if you want to check that out, that's fine. But here's the basic steps. You talk about three things that, that your life was like before you came to Christ. You talk about some things that, that caused you to accept Christ. And then you talk about your life now, what God has been doing in your life since you accepted Christ. Share your story. Everybody has a powerful story, but, but take this time. Even if quarantine is going to be here for a little while longer, don't let that stop you from sharing your faith. We have a song for you, and I want to just have you take this time and this moment just to, to listen to the words of the song. It's a powerful song. And I also want you to invite you to just 
If you have a need, reach out to us in some form. Let us know, because we want to be able to help you. And if you are at the point where you're ready to accept Christ, we would definitely like to hear from you. We'd like to hear from you so we can help you grow in your faith. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for everything you do. Thank you for allowing us to be here. I pray, Lord, that this uh, message would be useful for you to make a difference in somebody else's life. I thank you for everything that you do. I thank you for everybody being able to give us this opportunity to come to you today. And I just pray you just speak to our hearts. Speak to my heart, Lord, because I want to represent you. And I want to do the things that I can to make a difference in this world. Help me not to be ashamed of your gospel. Because it has the power to save lives. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen.